I need to figure out what time with God looks like when there is no quiet. So looking for habits that I can weave into the day by day that are creative. God is pleased with your five minutes if five minutes is all you have. But if you have two hours to watch Netflix shows, then it's a matter of the heart. Chances are, since you're listening to this podcast, you've either already been told or you're already convinced that spending time with God in His Word is a good thing. But knowing something is good doesn't always translate into doing that good thing. Way too often, real life gets in the way, or at least that's what we use as our excuse to not spend the time with God that we know we need. Our prayer is that God will use this conversation with Asherita Chuchu to give you some ideas for how you can weave time connecting with God and His Word into your already busy life. A podcaster and author with titles like Walking with God and Quiet Time for Busy Women, our guest has a pretty good grasp on ways we can make the most of our days. Well, Asherita, welcome to the morning conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my joy to be here. We're going to talk about the ministry that God's given you. We're going to talk about current book that you've not too long ago released. We want to first get to know you as a sister in Christ. We always do that for people when they come on the morning conversation, how you came to know him and fall in love with him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's quite a story, so I'll try to make it short. But <laughs> I grew up as a missionary kid in Romania. Um, and it was like watching the book of Acts come to life, mm. um, just seeing God work in incredible ways, powerful ways to transform entire communities to come to know him and love him. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian family even before that, even before we went to the mission field. So Jesus has always been a part of my life. But that those 10 formative years that I spent on the mission field with my parents, it just radically transformed how I see God, that he's not just the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, he is living and active and he is involved in the world today. And he invites each of us to be on adventure on mission with him. And so that has become my life purpose. It, it comes from my name, actually. I have a unique name, mm. <laughs> as you mentioned. Yes. Um, Asherita means God is my happiness. Uh, and so that has cool. been that's become my ministry that I would help people enjoy Jesus through creative, consistent time in his word, through difficult seasons, through changes that might come, um, just clinging to the constant that is uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hmm. Now, Asherita, there's plenty of times that people would have a story, not so much a mission field, but maybe, but for sure, like Christian home, some out of the, the parents, the dad was a pastor, maybe the mom was a pastor, but they didn't end up where you are, still loving Jesus and walking with him and seeking to be used by him. So so as you think about your journey, what would you say was some difference makers for you in terms of allowing you to grow up in that context and walk away with your own faith? Because we can't live off our parents' faith, our grandparents' mm -hmm. faith. It's always got to be first generational faith, right? What made the difference for you that made it stick? 100% the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that lightly. Like I share the highlights of life on the mission field with my my parents and my family. And that's not where the story ends. Um, my parents' marriage fell apart. Mm -hmm. It was messy, broken season of our life. Every reason you could think of that would cause me and my siblings to walk away from Jesus, we had each and every one of them. And the only thing that keeps us close to him is the fact that he's the one who chases us down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's the shepherd who leaves 
the flock and, and chases down the lost sheep. He's the one, his love. I, I have this quote above my desk. I'm looking at it right now. It says, bind my wandering heart to thee. So every time that I'm prone to wander, every time that it would be easier or it would be more convenient, or I'm just so tired, I'm so hurt by the church. There's so much going on. It is God's magnetic love that pulls me back in. It is his grace that has kept me close. Um, that truly is the only the only thing I can point to. It's all of him and and not anything that I've done. And honestly, I, I'm so grateful for my parents that they gave me a love of Jesus and a knowledge of God's word from a young age, but it really isn't anything they did either. <laughs> um, it, it truly right. is God's relentless grace that chases us down. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because again, no one's perfect. Your parents aren't perfect. It sounds like they maybe tipped over the acceptable non-perfect, right? The story of one of the very strong themes throughout the Bible is God's working through imperfect people, right? Because mm-hmm. without those imperfect parents, you would have had to get the gospel a different way, but they were the, mm-hmm. the tools that God used to expose you to truth and truth about Jesus and who he is and how it could change a life. And I appreciate too, throughout my childhood that they um, were so quick to share stories of God's faithfulness, mm-hmm. of his provision. And and like I said, it's, it's a big story. Like part of it is that they were in Romania. My dad was pastoring churches during communism. Like they had to escape during communism. There's like life-threatening situations. And so I grew up on these stories of God's relentless faithfulness, his provision, his protection, his presence. Um, and so the Bible came to life in, in day-to-day interactions. And for that, I'm still grateful. And and those are stories I still tell my kids. And they modeled for me how I can share not just theology with my children, um, but share my own Jesus stories. Like here, here's where God was my protector. Here's where he was my good shepherd. Here's where he shined light in such a dark situation in my life. Mm-hmm. And he wants that for you too. Mm-hmm. One more question in, in your story and your upbringing. And so as you look back at your parents, they knew Jesus. They were ministering for Jesus. They were being used by Jesus in the lives of people. Something went awry in them that, you know, caused them to make choices and decisions that were counter, could have cratered your faith. By God's grace, it didn't. So what did you learn from your parents? Like what went wrong? Did did you walk away with any principles or concepts of like, Mm. this is where it went bad and I'm going to guard. And I will say like my parents' story is their own and they each have their own story. Like it, it shook out differently for each of them. And my mom is still walking with Jesus. Like she lives close by. We enjoy a really close relationship, but I would say probably the biggest theme, and this is something that God has um, graciously walked out with me over the past 10 years too, is in my own life, the danger of pride. Mm. Like when I feel like I am in a good, okay place Mm -hmm. where I don't feel desperate for God, when I don't feel like I'm dependent on his presence, on his daily word for my life, when I can coast on my own and on my own strengths, that's when I start getting in trouble. <laughs> and and that's something that looking back, I can see um, as I think a theme and a motif. Um, it's, it's lean not on your own understanding, right? But in all your ways, acknowledge him. It's living in this desperation day by day. Uh, God, I need 
need you every hour. I need you every day. I need you. And when I depart from that, that's when I struggle with sin in my life. That's when I'm prone to wander. It's when I depart from him. Um, And so that's probably been the biggest red flag. Even now, as I'm a mom and a wife, now I am part of a ministry and and part of what God's doing in my life that has been, um, frankly, just one of my biggest prayers is that God would keep me close to his heart um, and that nothing, nothing would allow me to walk on my own um, in, in my own direction, that nothing would become more important than loving my family. Uh, and when ministry becomes more important than the solid marriage and relationship with children, that's not something to to cheer on. And I think in, in the past and especially on the mission fields, like it can be super isolating and you can give 24 seven to missions and it's never enough. Um, so those are all things that with wise counsel and, and mentors in my life, we're seeking to set up um, just some boundaries to stay healthy. Um, and when I'm not, uh, last year was a huge output year. We launched two books, both mm-hmm. Prayers of Rest and the children's book. And my husband was like, hey time to slow down. You're pouring out at a pace that you cannot keep up and this is not healthy. So even just having people who can, we're humble enough to receive their wisdom and their input to say, okay, this is a year of slowing down, a year of recovery, a year of rest. Ministry will continue to happen. God is still at work. His spirit is mm. still working. It's not the Asherita show. <laughs> like be humble enough to slow down and, and to have your soul at rest with him. God is always at work among us. While serving with Parent Life, a ministry of Youth for Christ for pregnant and parenting teens, Brooke and Lincoln has been part of God's provision of community for teens whose worlds have been changed dramatically. Most of the time, when they find themselves pregnant at 16, 17 years old, their old friends aren't really their friends anymore or their friendship activities change. So Brooke and her team get to step into that void with Christ-centered community and help in connecting them to needed resources. Like, oh, you need some extra food this week. Let's head up to the food bank and drive through their program and get some food. And while we're there, we'll talk about how Jesus provides and just casual conversations that lead into that. Wow, yeah, he did provide for me and he did last week too and the week before. Gently introducing these pregnant and parenting teens to Jesus, our provider and the lover of our souls. So many of my moms have never, ever been in church, never. And so that's just the coolest opportunity to show them the love of Jesus that is everything they're looking for in a spouse, in a parent. Most of them don't have great home lives and it's everything they're looking for. God is on the move through Parent Life, a ministry of Youth for Christ, as they share Christ's love and support pregnant and parenting teens. God is doing something right now. My Bridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. Asherita, you, you have a ministry for women called One Thing Alone. I would like to get a little quick overview. The One Thing Alone comes from the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha. It's well known to any woman who spent any time in church, right? And Martha usually gets a bad rep. I think she mm. is actually an amazing woman. Mm. And we see her. So in this story, she's like, Jesus, don't you care that I'm trying to do all this work? And Mary's just sitting here listening. She like, tell her to get up and, and like pull her weight. Yeah, that's a whole nother 
other thing. But Jesus looks at her and says, with so much love, Martha, Martha, you are busy and bothered by so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part and I'm not going to take it away from her. <laughs> um, and, and that heart of there are so many things competing for our time, for our attention. If we grew up in church, we know that reading the Bible and prayer are important, but it just, it falls down the list of priorities. And it feels like even sometimes we do it out of sense of obligation or duty. Um, and that was where I was in 2013, um, just kind of grappling with why does this feel stale? And why does reading the Bible, frankly, feel boring? And how do I get back to this heart of one thing alone? Only one thing is necessary. How do I get my soul happy with Jesus before I tackle anything else? So out of that heart and that space, one thing alone ministries was born to help women enjoy Jesus through creative and consistent time in his word. And going back to Martha, like we see her later there, her whole family's throwing a party for Jesus to celebrate that Lazarus is back from the dead. And Jesus is the guest of honor. We see Martha serving with a happy heart. We see that she took Jesus's words to heart and she continues to serve how God created her, but her heart is in a different place. There's, there's this joy in her. Um, so that's why I said, I think she gets a bad rep. Like Jesus tenderly corrected her and her heart was open and she received that. And, and then we see, okay, this is how it's done. Mary's there serving too. Martha's serving with joy. They're all having a blast and a party. And I think that is the life of joy that Jesus invites us to. Mm-hmm. So for year on uh, my bridge, we have a spiritual focus this year. We're calling it daily 20 and 23. So it's spending 20 minutes a day with God you know, in his word. I would love to hear a little bit of your journey of getting to the place where you spend that daily time with God and what difference it's made. Mm, my my perspective on this might be a little bit different mm-hmm. than your typical guest because I grew up again in a Christian family and in my high school years, like my daily quiet time was two or three hours. Mm-hmm. Like I would set aside time for inductive study. My dad taught me how to do Greek and Hebrew word studies. <laughs> I'd have the concordances out. Like I was geeking out. I learned how to play guitar and so it just like strum these worship songs to Jesus. And it truly was such an incredible, intense season of intimacy with Christ my sophomore and junior year of high school. And that's when I truly experienced like just the transformation being in his presence that it wasn't about checking something off a list. It wasn't like, oh, read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. That was like an old Sunday school song. But it truly was about being aware of his presence with us and, and how that can transform the rest of our time too. It's not this isolated morning time, uh, but rather it's an awareness of walking in his spirit all day long. So that's when I was introduced to it and then came to the States. College life got busy. Like, Mm -hmm. hello, here's Martha. Um, (laughs) And then I got married and then I had kids. Mm. And I'll tell you what, like my desire to have two or three hours with God was still there. But five minutes in, I would fall asleep. I could you not. Like I was so sleep deprived. One of my children did not sleep through the night for almost five years. And she still struggles to fall asleep. Mm. Thank the Lord she sleeps through the night now, but it's still a struggle. So I was in the season of like, what does this look like in the busyness, in the struggle? And like, I don't want to wait 20 years until my kids leave my home to go back to this 
idyllic, quiet time scenario. I need to figure out what time with God looks like when there is no quiet. Like there's no quiet in my <laughs> And when it is, I'm probably going to fall asleep, right? So that's where kind of looking at, okay, what does God's word say about quiet time? There is no formula. There's no magic number. I mean, I think it's great to shoot for something. 20 minutes is doable, but I think there's so much creativity. When we look in the Psalms, there's so many ways for us to approach God with, with singing, with worship. The Bible, I think there's value in studying scripture inductively, but I'm going to see, I had a season of probably two or three years where it was listening to the audio Bible. Like that was my main consumption of God's word was just listening to the audio Bible and meditating on God's word throughout the day, like letting it fill my heart and my mind. Um, and so looking for habits that I can weave into the day, day by day that are creative, they're different. Maybe it's listening to the Bible in the car. Maybe it's writing out verses and having them above the sink. So as I'm washing dishes, I'm filling my God, my mind with God's word. Uh, maybe it's setting a boundary of saying, I'm not going to jump on Instagram until I first set time to, to set my face before the Lord. So now I'm back in a season. My kids are nine, six, and four. Now I'm back in a season where I can take 20 minutes every day, where I can spend time journaling scripture, writing it out, memorizing it, even inductive study once, once or twice a week. And it's so sweet to be back in that place. Like, it's so good to be back there. But if listeners are listening to this and they're like, you know, 20 minutes is a stretch. I just want to encourage you to aim for that, work toward that. Like if in, you're in a season where you can't do that, God is pleased with your five minutes if five minutes is all you have. But if you have two hours to watch Netflix shows, then you probably have more than the five minutes, okay? <laughs> and then it's a matter of the heart. Right. But I love that Jesus looks at the widow's might and says, she has given all she has and she's given more than those who've given much. So whatever season you're in, give God your all because time with Jesus is always time well spent. Mm -hmm. So good. So you've uh, written uh, books for women, but uh, you've got different focus on the, one of your latest books. It's focused on <laughs> children, right? So unwrapping mm -hmm. the names of Jesus for kids. Where did that come from? Yeah, well, this book was a little different in that my publisher approached me mm -hmm. and said, hey, would you take unwrapping the names of Jesus, which is an Advent devotional, and create a resource for children from here because um, we've seen a lot of families use it, the Advent devotional, and they they wanted something to introduce their children to rich theology from a young age and, and do that through the names of Jesus. So honestly, this is one of the hardest books <laughs> I've ever had to write because it's short. It's 600 words. Every word counts. And you're writing both for a child and for the adult who's reading it. Mm. Like I've had the experience where my kid wants to read the same book over and over again. And it's one of those like mind numbing, please can this book somehow get lost or thrown out the window because if I have to read this one more time. And I wanted a different experience for readers of this book. I wanted it to be a, a book that children discover, uncover the beauty of Jesus' names, but also that parents can meditate and just grow to appreciate Jesus' names as well. A book that gets richer with every mean, every reading instead of like, oh, I'm so done and over this. We created a story. There's a little girl who follows Jesus. Her parents are part of his disciple group and she gets to experience him multiplying the bread and the fish. She watches him raise Lazarus from the dead. And in these encounters, 
she discovers who Jesus is. She she learns his names by watching him this way. So so he's the bread of life, right? He multiplies the bread and the fish because he is the bread of life. He raises Lazarus from the dead because he is the resurrection and the life. He breaks bread with sinners and 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 tax collectors and makes the Pharisees angry because he's the prince of peace and he offers that to everyone. And those are truths about Jesus that are timeless. So even though like I would have loved to have been there. Wouldn't you have loved to be a fly on the wall in some of mm. these Bible stories? But we're not. But those truths about Jesus's character, his names, those remain true today. Um, and we can encounter Jesus as the bread of life. He can be our good shepherd. And so I want to encourage parents as they're reading through Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids to also think about their own Jesus stories. Like how can we share with our children um, times when he was the light of the world in our darkness? Can can we share a, a specific story, a situation with them? Because Jesus taught through stories all the time. We call them parables. <laughs> and Jesus welcomed little children to come to him with open arms. So that, that was really my heart and the vision with this book is um, that it's a book that you would read again and again, that it would get richer with every reading and that it would open doors for storytelling between parents or grandparents and the children in their lives. Yeah, so it really comes alongside parents because there's plenty of parents who are a little intimidated when they think about trying to really teach their kids about the Bible and about theology, you know, the big word. Mm -hmm. But uh, this resource can really come alongside. Yeah, yeah. And it, again, it's, can I tell you a story? Like read this book and then share a story from your own life. And we see this in scripture time and time again, from Deuteronomy to like some of the epistles of like, we ought to be telling our stories mm. to the next generation. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm convinced that in every generation, stories of God's faithfulness die because we don't pass it on. Like there are stories of my great grandmothers who prayed for their fourth and fifth generation. Like they prayed for me. Mm. Part of the richness and the harvest we're seeing in One Thing Alone Ministries, I think is a direct impact of their prayers a hundred years ago. Mm. But those stories need passed down from generation to generation because those stories point to God's faithfulness. Listen for the difference. Hope-filled, Nebraska-focused, and commercial-free. Join us on air through your smart speaker or with the MyBridge Radio app to help keep you connected to God. So, Ashrita, have you heard much feedback yet from the book Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids? Yeah. So, um, a lot of my readers bought this as a Christmas gift mm. to um, give on Christmas Day. So, there's kind of that anticipation of like, oh, should we? And um, so many of them have sent me pictures and videos of them reading it with their kids. Um, the kids kind of pointing out their favorite, their favorite parts. There's this one spread um, where Jesus is in the temple. Um, and I had a reader who emailed me a picture of her daughter with this picture. Um, and the illustrations are just phenomenal. But Jesus is in the temple. He's overturning the tables. His hair is kind of like flying out in, in this anger against those who would abuse the innocent and the weak, those who would use their power to hurt uh, Jesus' little lambs. And the name on the spread is Lion of Judah. Mm. 
that Jesus is the line of Judah, that there's this ferociousness in him. And the reader, this one particular one said, this is my daughter's favorite spread because she appreciated that Jesus sometimes got angry because she struggles with anger too. And she could identify in this way with like, oh, there's a whole range of emotions to Jesus. It allowed her daughter to connect with Jesus in a new way that then opened the door for conversations for how is Jesus' anger directed? It's not selfish anger. It's always on behalf of those who are being hurt. So what might God be doing in your heart as well? Um, so just so many stories like that where where children will connect or relate to a different name of Jesus. And, and my hope is that these 10 names really become a vocabulary of worship for these kids that um, gives them a solid foundation as they head into their teenage years and young adult years that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. He would be the man of sorrows in in their sorrow. He would be the king of kings when politics get crazy and they start voting and they're like, well, what's happening here? That they would find comfort that Jesus is the king of kings over all. Um, these names, I think, are such a gift that we can give to children in our lives. And I'm so excited. Every time I get a story or a photo or a video from a young greeter, I'm like, this is the next generation. Mm. And they are learning to worship and adore Jesus for who he is. Mm, love that. Yeah. So before I let you go, I'm going to ask you one more kind of personal journey, spiritual journey question. And uh, so I'm just curious, you, you spoke earlier about being different ways and creative ways that you can approach and spend time with Jesus. If you could only pick one out of the how much it's impacted your life personally, one pathway that you could engage, what would it be? I think you stumped me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could. Okay, I'm going to take a cop out and say, um, <laughs> I'll say worship mm. because I think worship encompasses all of life. Mm. Worship is not just singing. I think mm -hmm. we think of it as singing right. and we confuse worship and praise, but all of life is worship um, conversation. You know, on my way over, I, I left the gym. My my four-year-old is in the back seat. We're talking about things. I'm thinking ahead of like, okay, I have this interview, talking to the Lord about it. Um, it, it I think worship encompasses prayer and scripture meditation and loving and serving others. All of life is worship. So I don't know. That's a curveball. <laughs> that, that's going to be my cop out on that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time. It was my pleasure. Thank you. All of life is worship. I love it. And it's not a cop-out at all. I think Asherita nails it there. It's not just singing. It's conversation with God. It's prayer. It's reflecting on His Word. I know I'm both challenged and encouraged to take a look at what's competing for my time and my worship. I want to be more like what Jesus said about Mary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 